Future of Journalism, episode 17. Is our media good for us? For instance, at what point does the hostility between the ABC and the Australian become unhealthy? Is the sustained public polarisation good for us? And for a strong democracy, which after all a free press is committed to strengthening? And is there an alternative to the wall-to-wall exposés on things wrong and gotcha moments on current affairs TV? Well, an alternative might be for a journalist to be just as hard-nosed and investigative, but weave into the narrative solutions that make things better, report the problem and a solution. Tina Rosenberg is co-founder of the Solutions Journalism Network and co-author of the Fixers column at the New York Times. She's just as keen on journalists exposing what's wrong, but then, as well, showing somewhere or someone that's doing it right. So, Tina, how is solutions journalism the antidote to polarisation in the media? Um, Solutions journalism is an antidote because... It is not about the question of who's to blame for the mess we're in. It's about the question of, can this solution, which is working over here, be something that's useful for us? By its very nature, it's more constructive, more forward-looking. It's similar to the difference between asking people to discuss, can a handicapped person drive a car? In which case you'll get a debate about rights, or how can a handicapped person drive a car? And then what you'll get is a discussion about the engineering. Solutions journalism engages the engineering portion of our brain. So the tabloid media is going to say to that, yeah, but good news stories don't rate. That's a fail. Solutions journalism isn't good news necessarily. And and second of all, it does rate. I mean, it's what people want. By far the biggest reason people tune out from the news and all the research shows this, is the steady diet of dysfunction, failure, corruption, and disaster that we feed them. Um, I mean, everyone can understand that. It just makes you want to go to bed and put the covers over your head. But people tune back in if they see a response happening that works. Um, It's not good news in the sense of It's not something that's inspirational. It doesn't make you feel good about the human condition. It's not about the the generous little boy who starts a lemonade stand to raise money for a good cause. It's about what people and institutions and governments and businesses and and non-governmental organizations are doing that is working to solve problems with evidence. What is working about it and not working about it? It's rigorous journalism. So can you give me an example of how it's been applied to one of the um, outlets that you've coached? Sure. I can give you thousands and thousands of examples. Uh, A paper in Milwaukee, Wisconsin called the Journal Sentinel, which did an investigation of a big problem in Wisconsin, which is that newborns are not tested for certain genetic problems they may have until it's too late to do something about it, which is such a tragic problem. And it condemns a lot of kids to a lifetime of living with problems that they don't need to have. So 
what they did was not just report on the state of Wisconsin, which is Milwaukee state and how badly they were doing. They looked at other states who had solved this problem and how they did it. And then Wisconsin said, well, we can do that. Let's import what Iowa next door did and follow that. And so they adopted exactly what other states had been doing. So it's a way of adding strength to an investigation of a problem because no longer can officials say, oh, this is a terrible problem and we're doing the best we can. Because you can say, I oh, know you're not doing the best we can because right over here, a hundred miles away, they're doing better. And so in that case, in the Milwaukee Sentinel case, have you got the stats that that kind of journalism has been has worked, that it's in actually improved circulation? We have anecdotal evidence, case studies from dozens of different news organizations about the real world impact. We have a lot of research about um, the effect of solutions journalism on readership. And it's hard to prove that solutions journalism by itself increases circulation, but you can prove, for example, that um, people are more engaged with your news organization if they read solutions journalism articles, it makes them feel differently about you. It makes them do things like subscribe to newsletters or um, sign up for subscriptions, which are um, obviously good things. Those are associated with, with more loyal, dedicated and engaged readers. Um, there's evidence that it builds trust, that um, people who complain about coverage of their own communities. And a lot of folks have this complaint. Every community that thinks it's marginalized in some way has a lot of resentment about the way they're covered by the mainstream media and rightly so, because the mainstream media tends to cover them for their mainstream audience. So they're writing about them, not for them and with them. And a lot of times we cover in the mainstream media, we cover marginalized groups through their worst stereotypes. So solutions journalism improves that. Instead of just looking at gun violence, you look at what communities of color are doing to solve gun violence, and that builds trust. And that leads to more readers and a different group of readers. So more broadly speaking, what, what effect do you think that would have made the, if, if the polarization of US media through the Trump era had been mitigated by solutions journalism? What difference do you think that would have made to US society through that period? Well, it couldn't have hurt. I, I can't really tell you how much it could have helped. But part of the, it's either a cause or Well, effect. do you think, for instance, it might have prevent, might have, uh, because the, if you like, the, the high point of the dysfunction in the United States was the, was the December the 6th event on Capitol Hill, or uh, illustratively. Yes. Do you think that might not have occurred had there been more solutions journalism at Fox and CNN? Um, I don't think that would have had that effect. I mean, right. first of all, solutions journalism is a tool that you can use for certain kinds of reporting. It's reporting on issues like health, education, criminal justice environment. It's not how you report on Trump. It's not a tool for covering breaking news. And so it can build trust in the news media. But if the reason you distrust the news media is, is their politics and that you think everything they print is a lie. I'm not sure solutions journalism is gonna be the, the uh, is gonna be the salvation for that, but it can help. 
And not every issue is about Trump. A lot of local news organizations, for example, in the US are, have decided to stop running stories and, and opinion columns and even letters to the editor about national issues because they're so polarizing. They stick to local and, um, and that lends itself to a lot of solutions journalism. And those news organizations have built trust and they probably have a healthier civic fabric for their city and less polarization. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good point. Um, so I, I would imagine that journalists who've trained in your solutions journalism, done your courses, would get a lot of satisfaction out of it as well. Have you got stats on that? It's that is true. I mean, it, I think it, for two reasons. First of all, these are more interesting, meatier, deeper stories, which is what journalists like to do. We don't love going around and covering press conferences. That's not fun. That's not really serving our mission of, of making, you know, of, of improving society and making a difference. So that's one thing. The second reason is that journalists are just as bummed out by the by the by the relentless negativity as the readers are. We don't like writing the same problem-focused story over and over and over again. We know we need to do something different, but a lot of journalists are afraid to try writing about what works because they don't want it to come out like cheerleading or advocacy or fluff. So the organization that I'm co-founder of, the Solutions Journalism Network, we train newsrooms how to do this kind of reporting with rigor and with high journalistic standards. So we're heading into a federal election. It's due in the first half of next year. Um, um, I, I just wonder what, how the reporting would change if the political reporters were trained in solutions journalism, because it's a very, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of polarization built around trust. Yeah. Um, pretty scant on policy, we suspect, etc. Well, I mean, there are ways of covering campaigns that are more solutions focused. For example, you could say um, this candidate for mayor is promising to um, to do a certain program. Let's look at how well that program is faring in other cities. Um, but that presupposes a commitment to look at policy and not just the horse race and the politics of it. And that's a tough switch for a lot of journalists to make. Um, we love to cover you know, who's ahead, but not necessarily what people stand for. But if you are talking about what they stand for, you can look at campaign promises and evaluate them by examining how well they've worked in places they've been tried. That's one thing. The second thing is you can cover the political process through a solutions lens. In the United States, we're having a tremendous meltdown in our political processes. Law after law is being passed to um, make it more difficult for certain groups of people to vote, to um, make it easier to cheat on the vote count, to gerrymander and design districts that, you know, where politicians choose their voters instead of voters choosing their politicians. And so you can cover that through a solutions lens by saying, you know, here's a state that has Greatly reduced by part, greatly reduced partisanship. How did they do it? Um, that makes the political process an issue, like health or like education. And you can do that. The other thing that's really important, Peter, and this is not exactly solutions journalism, but it's really important, and it is something we teach, is that we are accustomed to quoting the, the extremes on both sides, because that's the best story, right? But then we make people think that that's the norm. 
and it's not the norm. And so journalism's coverage of politics tends to create even more polarization than actually exists. It's a vicious circle and the coverage of polarization makes polarization worse. So we teach techniques, we call this complicating the narratives for how journalists can cover contentious issues without contributing to polarization. And those are really important techniques to learn. Questions you can ask, ways to tell your story, um, people you can look for, not just the shrillest voices on each side, talking to people about, you know, what, what's at the root of your belief in this? What made you think this way? Tell me your story, not just a, a snappy soundbite, but the person's story. We're actually in the United States, really, truly far less polarized than people think we are. But journalism has made that worse. I don't know if it's the same here in Australia. Tina Rosenberg, that's been really interesting. And I suspect we'll need to come back to you to pursue that topic because that is yes that is a factor in australia not quite as extreme as the united states but where else is um <laughs> but but thank you very much indeed thank you peter for having me and i'd be happy to come back mm -hmm.